From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you being with, with us on the Bishop's Hour. We come to you every Monday through Friday, and uh, uh, we do a best of on Saturday at 10 a.m., and, and you can always get us, uh, go to scd.org, and we've got everything stockpiled, and uh, what do they call that, Gabe? Stockpiled? Archived. Archived. Yeah, that's the, that's the big word. That's why I have a producer. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, everything's archived there, and it even tells you what the show was about, so you can go to scd.org and listen to it at your leisure. You don't have to have your car radio on uh, if you don't happen to be in the car when we're coming to you uh, through the radio, but greatly appreciate you all being with us, and we, this is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and we're glad to welcome in Paulette Wiley, the Executive Director of the Bishop Gagos Maternity Home. Paulette, good day to you. Good day to you, Bob Dunning. How, how it's so nice to be a part of your show again today. Yes, well, you must your 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 shoulders must be sore from everybody patting you on the back from such a great event, September the tenth at Armand's Palace in Elk Grove. Yes, it was a it was a very nice event. You know, it's so much. It's just so much fun. We just get to visit with our people and share some stories and hear some stories. It's just, it's a wonderful evening. We're always happy to have that fellowship. Yeah, you know, and I, fundraising. <laughs> I, I recently talked with Kathleen Domingo from the Catholic California Catholic Conference, uh, who represents all the bishops and was the keynote speaker. And, yeah. and she just said it was so nice to be speaking to so many good people that are there for one reason to help those women. Exactly, and she did a wonderful job. Didn't she? Yeah. Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, it it is nice. It's nice to be able to share, um, like I said, those stories and just to to be with each other um, and supporting those women and and to be able to hear the rest of themselves and their babies. I mean, for me, I've been here now for five years, and so those women that I first met the first, my first day, those kiddos are starting kindergarten. <laughs> so it's wow. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? I remember talking to uh, Marie Leatherby at Sacramento Life Center, you know, a, a while mm-hmm. ago, and we were musing about the Life Center started like in 1972, something like that. Right. And <laughs> some of those babies are, there you sitting down, 50 years old. <laughs> Exactly. They might even be grandparents now. It's just mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. You just and you know, it's it's just crazy to think time marches on. It feels like it stands still sometimes, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's it's amazing, and it it would be so wonderful to be able to track where all these babies that maybe wouldn't have been born and probably wouldn't have been born uh, where. They went with their lives, what they did, what they contributed, what their hopes and dreams were. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, think, I think people would be stunned. It would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to always, you know, we do hear back um, quite often from um, old residents. Mm-hmm. And so they, they do check in. And so check in, they check for Lenore. You know, they're, they're, always, they're always coming back. 
So it's always nice to hear, you know, where they're at and, gosh, when they share those pictures of their kids. Who, like you said, I mean, BGMH has been around for 30 years, so those are grown, grown yep. women and men. That's right. <laughs> so, that's that's yeah. right. And, and they are, and their their parents that were the first clients, if you will, of, of BGMH are maybe 50, 55, 60 years old now. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a wonderful thing. And, you know, that whole the, the theme for that evening was family. And so just to think that they are an extended portion of our family uh, at BGMH, it's just, it's just heartwarming to be able to share in just a little part of their life, you know, the beginnings of these babies' lives. And just to be a part of that is such an honor and a privilege. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little bit of old home week too you know you come and you see some familiar faces you see some of the clergy that uh uh just from my standpoint people that i knew uh, uh, monsignor kidder and father bong and uh, mm-hmm. uh you know i don't want to leave anybody out father madigan and uh, bishop Wiegand, and just on and on all the the different people that have have impacted your life over many years you know and yeah. and you, they They've never given up the good fight, you know. That's right. They've been stalwarts. It's true, and it is. It is just amazing to be able to touch base with them and to see them. We're very, we're very fortunate at, at that um, evening to be able to have to share that time with them. How did you, you know, if the used to be at the Dante Club and they did a great job, and it just got a little too small for the event. And then you were, I think, just one year at the McClellan Event Center, which is, is no longer in, in business. Right. How did you find Armand's Palace? Well, you know, it was actually one of our former residents. Now, this was for the dinner. Um, it was supposed to be for the dinner in 2020. Um, one of our former residents, uh, who actually for a short time worked for us as well, she was going to be the party planner for it. She was going to do the event, and she's the one that found it. You know, she already had a caterer, um, and she just looked around, looked around for all these different venues, and she came across that. And it's so great because it's right off the freeway. So it's even so if you're easy, coming yeah. from, yeah, even if you're coming from the north side of town, you know, like we have those folks from um, El Dorado Hills and Folsom and Orangevale, you know, right off of the five, it's really very convenient. So. Well, I had yeah, I had my uh, my daughter as navigator, and <laughs> and she said, "Dad, we're here. <laughs> Turn right. You're we're here. There's the parking lot." <laughs> like we, I think it couldn't be that fast from Davis to Elk Grove. It seemed like five minutes. Right. Exactly. It's so yeah. nice. So yeah. So we were very fortunate, and they're great at our mom's palace. They always have everything ready for us, and. They do a, a fantastic job out there. So now they don't provide food service, is that right? You 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 always hire your right. own caterer, right? So that yeah, they're just the venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they you know they have all the, the the little the tall tables for the bar area. They sure. set up all the other tables and chairs and have all that kind of stuff for us. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful facility and it's it's clean and comfortable and uh, like you say, very accessible. Uh, it's just a, it's just a per, as a stage. It's just a perfect perfect venue. Yeah, and you know, and it's family run. It's just you know, it's so much of that makes it nice too. You know, a local family that um, you know, it's their little business. And so, unfortunately, you know, when Rebecca was 
planning that, you know, COVID happened. Right. And so, you know, that's, it, dinner got canceled. Did we, miss, so, did we miss two in a row? Or just um, one? We just missed one. Okay. And the, sec- the next year, so 2021, we were be- able to have it there at Armand. That was the first, uh, the first one there. That was the first one back, right. exactly. Right. And so, yeah, so this was our third year there. So it's, they, they, they treat us well, and they, like I said, it's always clean, and they do a great job for us. Yeah. Well, it, and it, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was just a wonderful, wonderful night. And uh, Kathleen Domingo did such a wonderful job. You did a wonderful job. And uh, um, it was, it, yeah, it was, but it was just, it's, it's a, I know it's, it's a very serious topic and it's very serious uh, work that you folks do, but it was just a joy filled evening and it's just fun. Yeah, it's true. It is a celebration, really. I think that's, uh, you know, to be able to celebrate, like I said, the women and how far they've come along. I mean, they go to, they've go they gone to school, maybe um, college, they're going in vocations, and, you know, who knows. But, yeah, they're, they're just, it is that joy-filled um, celebration to be able to see them and then to see, you know, the pictures. Like, I got to share some of the pictures from one of our speakers who's out of state now. And so just to be able to show people, like, where she was when she first got to BGMH and her baby's first Easter was with us. And then, um, you know, where he is now going to school starting kindergarten is just absolutely amazing. <laughs> so you replaced Lenore Malarkey, who was, I mean, she just had BGMH stamped on her forehead. I mean, <laughs> right. she, you know. Grandma Lenore, she was there from pretty much the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. And so, you obviously you 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 want to emulate the good, and do all that, but you need you need to be your own self and your own style and all all that. How was that in a first year walking into these uh, size forty shoes? If you were, <laughs> well, you know, I was very blessed to have a wonderful staff who. You know, my house manager at the maternity home, she's been there for over 20 years. Wow. And so I was really fortunate. I was very humble um, and just kind of sat back and let them teach me because, you know, this was a new adventure for me, and I knew I knew nothing about how to run a home. And as a matter of fact, that was the, that what I said the first night I came back from work. I was like, they don't need me to run this home, you know. Jerry can do this. They all can do this. Um, but, you know, after some time, there are some things that I'm like, oh, I see now. I see I can contribute um, on more of the administrative side and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of – we haven't really changed a lot uh, of any of our practices. Um, but really, I think that being humble and having that humility to just step back and say, you know, you need to show me, you guys are the ones that are the experts, um, and to just learn, and I, like I said, I was so fortunate, and still to this day, all the women, all the employees are still working there, and so it's just been, and it's, they're just all so wonderful, and it is, it is like another family, you know. Well, explain the, the just the, the staffing, and I, I know you have a lot of volunteers as well. Explain the staffing, how, how that works. I mean, somebody has to be there 24-7, right? Right. So we are a peer 
Pre-Med Program. And we are a very, very small staff. There's actually only um, five of us on payroll. Um, and so we have Sylvia, who actually lives on site. Mm-hmm. And so she's like the program supervisor. So, you know, she works her eight-hour day. But then she's off um, if there is something that comes up at, at nighttime. When she's off, of course, she's back on the clock. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but... You know, and being a peer-led program, all of our employees, with the exception of myself and our bookkeeper, are former residents. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to be able to say, you know, I've been in your shoes, I've walked in your shoes, and, you know, it's it's a big um, benefit for the women um, to know that, oh, these people can actually relate (laughs) to what I'm I'm going through, whether it be... um, uh, alcohol or drug recovery or, you know, domestic violence, uh, you know, they, they, have, they have that experience to be able to support them through it. So what sort of regulations, et cetera, red tape, if you will, do you have to deal with, whether it's city, county, state, federal? Do you, what, you know, what is BGMA classified as and where, you know, what, what, things do you have to follow? Well, we are a shelter, um, and so, but we aren't, uh, we don't have to be licensed because mm-hmm. we have, we have less than six people in a house. Okay. Uh, or six or less. And so we don't have to worry about that so much. But, um, you know, the other things that we do have to worry about, though, are like the stipulations that are put on people who are um, homeless. Mm-hmm. Or in, you know they they don't they're not considered homeless if they've been housed for more than ninety days, mm-hmm. and so typically that's kind of why the program was set up with women can come in when they're around seven months pregnant because mm-hmm. that gives them some time and you know at that point we're like a homeless shelter for women pregnant women right, right? and then they go they have their baby at the hospital they come back and now we're a family shelter because it's mom and baby okay um, and so you know the clock resets, so to speak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, you know, in uh, 2020, we opened our transitional home um, with our, with our house manager, Caitlin, um, supervising that program. And, you know, again, it's a different program. And so there the women um, have to either go be going to school or working for 35 hours a week or a combination of the two. Um, And so then that clock resets again, you know, for another, hopefully 90 days. It's semantics, but hopefully, you know, that way they're still eligible for certain programs and things that, you know, the county wouldn't consider them mm-hmm. any longer. They would be housed. So, yeah. So those are kind of some of the the difficult little hurdles we have to go through. So what to are your sure big... That they don't lose any benefits. What are your biggest challenges? Um, I think lately... We're actually getting back to the normal. I think one of our biggest challenges was going through COVID and um, having people going, um, getting those motel vouchers. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we saw a severe drop in numbers at that time. And so, but that is, is not necessarily a, a case any longer. Our numbers are starting to steadily climb um, back. We're not, we don't have a waiting list yet, but... They are. It is increasing, um, and then I would say one of the other um, 
problems that we always that has increased is the safety and security of the home. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have like um, encampments that are nearby, and you know, and all that that goes with it. You know, drug use, prostitution, things like that. Right. So we're still in our little bubble, and we're all we're all very safe. We have our alarms and our cameras and all of that. But you know, it just that's one of the things I think has that really has come as an issue lately. Um, and so, but hopefully that's all changing because um, that property has been purchased and they're redeveloping it. And so I'm sure that's all going to change. But so those are, have been our recent problems. Are most of these women, uh, are any of them in sort of domestic, have come from a domestic situation that might be somehow threatening to them? Yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. We do have women um, that are victims of domestic violence who uh, are, you know, have active restraining orders or, you know, maybe they've come straight from the hospital. We've had women come straight from the hospital um, because of the injuries that, that they received while they were pregnant and from, at the hands of their partner. And so um, that can be an issue as well. So we take all our precautions to, you know, we're not, um, we're not necessarily a safe house, but we are a secure home, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, you know, we can help them in, the, in that way. Do you ever have to say no to somebody? Um, I think not typically. Um, I think the, the hardest thing sometimes is, uh, like, if they have mental health issues and they're not med compliant, that would be a, a reason for us to say mm-hmm. no, because mm-hmm. we do have to take into consideration the safety and security of the other mothers and their right. babies. Right. And so, but for the most part, we're pretty, we're pretty open. <laughs> we're pretty accepting, so. So how, do you have a, a cook? Do you have a, you know, a grocery shopper? Well, how does that work? Well, that it's just like a house. So, you know, we encourage the women, they each have a cook night, and we always encourage them to cook something that they that they like or they're familiar with or maybe other family recipes and things like that or try something new even. Um, but it's also their responsibility to put together their list for that uh, dinner. Mm-hmm. And then a house manager gets all those lists and compiles it and, and pretty much sees what we already have in stock. And then... Um, sends me the grocery list, and I go shopping every week, um, you know, for fresh fruits and vegetables and anything on the list that we might need for them um, to prepare their meal for that week. Um, and then, of course, we also wear an open pantry, so we have lunch meats and, and bread and eggs and oh, anything for you to make breakfast and lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, we have available to them, so they make their own. And then dinner, like I said, is a quick night once a week, and they sit down and have dinner together as a home. Um, and so, yeah, so they, you know, they're contributing to the household. I, I think sometimes people think, oh, we're just serving you, we're here to help you. But, you know, they're active participants in that program, and like I said, they are contributing to the home, whether it's their tour or their quick night, um, being a friendly ear for another resident. Uh, it's just, it's really a wonderful, it's a really wonderful home just to see how, how those relationships develop and blossom. So you, at, at this point, you don't have a waiting list. 
right now. <laughs> and what happens when you do have a waiting list and you have to say, we don't have room? What happens to that person? Well, typically we would try to give them other options. So um, we try to ask as many questions when they're on the phone with us because the more, it, it sounds absolutely horrible, but the more things that um, they might be struggling with, whether it's um, drug dependency or if they're HIV positive or domestic violence, uh, there's, only, there's different places that they could qualify for. And so we try to ask those questions. They're very delicate questions, and sometimes we don't always get the answer that might be accurate. Um, but it's just to be able to kind of point them in the other direction uh, to try other programs or, you know, to, um, to get some extra resources for housing and things like that. Hmm. Boy. And so the, the best thing people can do that want to help is donate money? Is that pri primarily what would help? Yeah, I mean, that's really where we're at because you know, everything's gotten so expensive. You know, oh, you think about your own home, whether it's, um, you know, your electricity or your gas bill or, yeah. oh, my gosh, grocery bill, you know, and our, our vehicle gas. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy expensive now, too, over $5 a gallon. And so, you know, it is expensive to run these homes. And so most definitely we're always uh, very grateful for any contributions. You know, there's nothing that's too small. Um, and so, you know, people can go to our website, and you can either send that by check, and we'll have the addresses there, or you can even um, donate through PayPal on the website at bgmhsacramento.org. I think I could push a grocery, an empty grocery cart through the checkout line, and it would still be about a hundred dollars. It's, it's just, it's just amazing how expensive things have gotten. Yeah, it really, it really is. It really is. It do you receive? Do you receive any kind of government assistance, like in terms no, of are, food or things like that? We are privately funded and supported. You know, we have a local high school that always does a canned food drive for us. Um, we have a couple of parishes that do um, baby wipe drives and mm -hmm. uh, other community organizations, but we don't get any government um, funding at all or support. What about about food like like uh, food bank type food? Yes, we do. We do um, occasionally get some food bank food. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we get those sorts of things. Right. But for the most part, we're we got our grocery shopping list, <laughs> buying the protein. And, you know, we even have some um, private people who who donate. They might work at grocery stores or things like that. And so they'll even donate um, proteins, meat, and things mm -hmm. like that to us. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. So do we have a date for next year already? You know, it's always the second, second Sunday, Sunday of September. Yep. So um, I, I'm not sure on the date. I'm not quite sure, but... Uh, for next year, but it's the second Sunday. I don't think it's your birthday, though. I don't oh. think <laughs> it was one year, wasn't it? It was one I year. I think it may have been I last year. Forget, uh. I won't forget that. You yeah. know. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yeah. Well. Paulette, it's always it's always a joy to 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 be at that event, and uh, I know my daughter Emmy just she uh, she's now a college student, but she started mm -hmm. going to the very first one, and um, 
when she gets her class schedule and stuff, she always says, what's the date? What's the date? I want to put it on my calendar and I make sure she makes sure she got nothing else going on that, that evening. It's always a pleasure to see Emmy. It's great. And we're so grateful for you to MC that event. It's just to have you both there. It's wonderful. Well, it's just, it's just a joy, a complete joy. And it's an awfully good dinner. So yeah, there's that too. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Well, Thanks for all you do. God bless you and, and everybody there. And uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Wonderful. And God bless you and God bless everyone out there and all their loved ones as well. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Paulette. That's uh, Paulette Wiley, who is the uh, executive director of the Bishop Geigos Maternity Home. And what, what a wonderful, wonderful organization that is. And what a wonderful, wonderful job Paulette Wiley does in uh, really being in charge of the whole operation. And yeah, she has a lot of help, but uh, from a lot of good people and a lot of good uh, supporters of the Bishop Gagos Maternity Home. Uh, but it's been a force here in Sacramento for 30 years. It's helped many, many, many women in really, really difficult uh, circumstances. So uh, God bless all of them. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. 
Thank you, James, for that wonderful introduction and for all the Choral Society or, and Orchestra does here in in the Sacramento region and, and throughout the country and, and the world, really. They do some marvelous trips as well, including, uh, you know, to Rome and to the Vatican and all over. Uh, we had a chance to sit down with our good friend, uh, Father Michael Kiernan, who is the chaplain to Beale Air Force Base uh, in his second tour of duty at Beale Air Force Base, and we're going to bring you that interview now. Who is the chaplain, among other hats, is the chaplain at uh, Beale Air Force Base. Uh, Father, good day to you. And good day to you, Bob, and all your listeners today. Uh, hope you're all uh, being blessed as you, God wants to bless you, so uh, nice to be with you, yeah. Now, you are now entering into the second 50 years of your ministry. Yes, I am. Actually, I was over at Mercy Hospital anointing somebody a little while ago, and the lady said to me, weren't you at St. Joseph's in Reading? <laughs> wow. And I said, uh, she said, yes. And she said, when was that? I said, 100 years ago. <laughs> oh, she said, I remember it well. <laughs> and she said, you haven't changed a bit. You haven't changed a bit. She said, you look a little younger than that you did then, but other than that, she said, you look like your real self, and we talked about Monsignor John O'Connor, who was my pastor then, right? all those 50 years ago in 1973. Uh, so we had a lovely discussion, uh, and she knew a lot of people, of course, that, that I knew then, and that was uh, just an interesting thing, uh, uh, sort of part of an anointing for her mother, who was dying, hmm. to uh, have a nice chat with her afterwards about, and remember, uh, long ago and good times. You know, I've, I've learned two things as I've gotten older uh, uh, from, you know, high school reunions and those kinds of things. Um, first off, they need name tags at those events. But but uh, when someone comes up to you that you haven't seen for a long time and they say, oh, you're looking good, it means you're not. Watch out, yeah. <laughs> and when they say, you haven't changed a bit, it means you have. <laughs> yes, yes, big time, yeah, yeah. You poor old thing! What happened to you? <laughs> yeah, what, what, yeah. Instead of yeah, you said, whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't look at all like yourself, Bob. You look much older." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> if I, if you really hadn't changed, it wouldn't even come to their mind, you know. Yeah, and of course they haven't changed a bit. They haven't either. changed a bit either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it depends yeah. on who changed the most. Maybe you know. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. people it's amazing how they do change, and some people amazing how they don't change. But well, it, it, certainly, it, time takes its toll. That, that is true. There's there are some people that that they're ageless wonders, if you will. You look at them and you go, uh, "We were in high school together. Look at him. You know, or look at her. They're, they didn't they they didn't age. What happened? What are they they they're drinking the magic juice or something? Botox, my boy. Botox, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> And God knows what else, you know. Uh, I was talking to a woman friend of mine not too long ago, and she said, you know, sometimes she said a lot of the people I know, I think they're, at this point, 90% artificial. They're <laughs> 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 like almost everything they, on their body changed for, in some way, shape, or form between operations and all that. Uh, they're all bionic now. And so on. So anyway... Yeah, no, it's it, it's funny. I, I wake up in the morning and uh, uh, I've discovered a new muscle or a new joint, and, and I discovered it because it hurts. You know. Yes, 
in the morning. Well, see, that's that's the good <laughs> thing. That's the good yeah. thing. And, and yeah. I got a wonderful family around me to keep me young. And, uh, um, you know, another another day the Lord has made. And uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I, somebody, I just had a birthday, and somebody says, well, how does it feel to be so old? You know, and I said, well, uh, I was born on the day that God wanted me to be born. And I'm not one to second guess God. This that's that's where he, that's the day He wanted me born. He doesn't want me to be 18 right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how, how, I mean, how, you know, I, in God's wisdom, that's when I was born, and that's 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 the way it is. <laughs> you know. So this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Absolutely, absolutely, and. Uh, I, you know, I, th- I thank the good Lord every for, for every day. I, I tell my kids that. I say, you know, if, if you look in the mirror and you're still here, there's a reason. There's a good reason. And, and you know, go out and spread the good word because you, ne- you never know, as, as, the, as the good book says, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And Ignatius used to pray, I thank you, God, for always being with me, but especially I'm grateful that you are with me right now. Yep. God, let the Holy Spirit enlighten my mind and warm my heart that I may know where and how we have been together this day. Wow. No wonder he's Saint Ignatius. Yes, indeed, the old general, after all his ups and downs and faults and failings and sins and mistakes and so on, uh, but God uh, worked with him and uh, brought him to a Great and holy and beautiful life, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's one of the things that you know people say. Well, how come we do? You know, why? How come we go through all this this sainthood stuff? The, the you know the beatification and 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 etc. Uh, and say so, you know the, as examples. I mean, so, sometimes the example is so powerful, like like Maximilian Kolbe, that you you think, boy, could I ever could I ever live up to that? But in other ways, like you're just saying with Saint Ignatius. It, it shows that uh, people can go far astray and come back and and be a, a, a just a positive influences in the world. So I think the studying the lives of the saints is really a, really a, a good exercise for all of us. Well, indeed, and we know better than uh, and Peter himself, you know, the first pope. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know of any saint other than him. Yeah. Well, Nobody had the opportunity, actually, to straightforward up to your face, you know. I do not even know the man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm swearing here. I do not know the man. Uh, yeah. What are you saying, woman? I don't even know this fellow. Uh, so, I mean, uh, it's one thing to, uh, I mean, that was an amazing gift. And as uh, Bishop uh, Weekend, I remember when we were in the Holy Land, him and I, years ago, he said to me as we're walking along, he said, you know, uh, Mike, isn't it amazing here as we look around the lens that the early church uh, went to to emphasize the denial of Peter? Right. And how. Right. Uh, and then, of course, later on with the Lord speaking to him on the shore, uh, where he uh, asked him, Do you love me? And the three reversals, as it were, of that. But certainly, um, uh, whether it's Peter or uh, St. Ignatius or any of the saints, uh, we can um, take great inspiration from uh, the opportunity to uh, change our lives. And even if uh, 
haven't had, you know, terrible things like that. Uh, but uh, wherever we have been, the faults and failings of the normal person, that uh, at some point uh, we can uh, have a great ha-ha moment of uh, renewal. And uh, sometimes I think that does happen, uh, especially as people get older. There's an opportunity to, uh, you know, that saying, uh, uh, when you get old, you can do anything you want almost, and you can certainly wear purple. So in the same way, I think uh, maybe as we get older, uh, though we shouldn't wait too long because some of us will get too old to be able to sort it out, but uh, at a certain time, uh, maybe uh, as one sort of doesn't have to prove oneself and achieve and be a success in the world and so on, you know, sometime at some point uh, the spiritual uh, hopefully takes over and gets a stronger uh, opportunity in our lives and we really turn ourselves more to God and things of God. Uh, uh, not that we've been necessarily that terrible, but certainly there's always an opportunity to grow and improve and, and to dedicate oneself more fully to God. And uh, hopefully that's the way all of our lives are going and that we're a little closer to God now than we were two years ago or 20 years ago or whatever, and maybe with God's grace... Uh, we can look at ways in our lives to uh, improve uh, as years go by, whatever years are um, left to us. Yeah, very, very, very well said. You know, you, you mentioned St. Peter. My goodness, uh, he didn't just deny Christ once. It was three times, you know, at, at, a, yeah. at, at a critical and vehemently and at a critical juncture in history. <laughs> it, wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't just... Uh, picking sides for basketball, you know, oh, I, I don't I don't even know that guy. I don't know if he can shoot a basket or not. Oh, it was much more serious than that. Well, there was also the other case in uh, Peter's life, remember, where uh, he makes the great profession, and then Jesus uh, starts telling the disciples uh, that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and be crucified, and Peter jumps in and says, We'll have none of that sort of talk around here. We don't need that. Right, uh, right. God forbid that anything like that would happen to you. We certainly don't want that. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking yep. as a human being, not as God would want you. So uh, there were several instances. Uh, and, of course, there's indications that uh, Peter, you know, the famous uh, uh, story that the Corvatus, you know, where he in Rome even is uh, is uh, running away again, and he God uh, Jesus speaks to him and said, "Where are you going?" And then Peter turns around and comes back and so on. So uh, I suppose that's part of the uh, ups and downs, Bob, of all of our lives. And and um, you know, as we know, with Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa of Calcutta, and so on, uh, she had the dark nights and yes. uh, yeah. depressions and so on. And um, all of the saints, you know, uh, hopefully they got things right, as it were. Uh, but I'm sure if the whole story was made, who can tell the whole story of a person's life? There was there times when uh, there was ups and downs. And uh, we see that even in modern-day uh, people, priests or bishops or uh, you know, that 
they have their great moments and on the other hand maybe weak moments as well no, you mean you, you mentioned Mother Teresa, and and when when all that came out, I guess it was her letters, uh, how how dark it was, and some some people that uh, non-believers, I guess, or, or critics would say, "Aha, see, see, even she didn't believe the stuff," and you go, "No, no, she did, and she persevered, she persevered." I I think those that whole story was very inspiring. Well, I always remember many years ago there was a show on TV and it was, it was this Holocaust survivor, Jewish man, of course, and he was on about, you know, when you mentioned about believer or not believer, um, and they were talking to him about, you know, the Holocaust and all that and what he went through and and uh, he was saying, you know, that he was so mad at God. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody said, well, then... Do you mean you so you so you don't believe in God then? And he looked at the report and he said, Well that's a stupid question. He said, Just because I mad at God, he said, that does not equate to that I don't believe in God. He said, That's not gonna solve the problem. He said, Not believing in him. He said, Then I even can't be mad at him if I don't believe he's there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Said, that's a, a a real definitive statement. I'm mad at God that you believe in God. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be mad at somebody if you're mad <laughs> you gotta be there in front of you some way. To get mad at them, and of course, one of the great uh, developments in Jewish doctrine was, and, and their teaching and their understanding was, uh, you know, with Isaac uh, and the whole thing of wrestling with the angel and the hip situation and all that, uh, and that you know that's uh, symbolic of our wrestling with with God and and Job, of course, that's the great example of yeah. uh, wrestling with God. Why is God doing all this? Friends are telling him this reason and that reason, and he's saying, "No, it's not that. It's not that. It can't be that. It's not that." And so on, so on, so on. But there's this uh, grappling with the situation that he's in, and what is God doing, and uh, why is God doing this? But you know, as Job says, uh, "The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." So he doesn't give up even when all his children and his lands and his everything is destroyed. Uh, that's not a reason for saying, well, see, God doesn't exist. Well, of course, if all this happened, God must exist somehow. Yep. And so, therefore, he's determined that he's going to find out and and seek uh, the answer with God. So I think we can all do that in our own lives as well. I remember when, I think it was Time Magazine years ago, had a cover, I'm sure you remember it, and it said, is God dead? And it was like this provocative cover for Time magazine. And and I think it was, uh, you know, during a, a sort of a decline of organized religion, maybe, uh, you know, fewer numbers, that kind of thing. And it was like, I, th- I think it actually woke a lot of people up and said, of course not, you know, but like, like maybe we, maybe we should be, uh, more religious, more, uh, you know, into our faith, more, you know, uh, concentrating on God instead of ourselves. But it was it was a provocative cover. Speaking of that cover, I think there was also on Time magazine or one of those magazines. Anyway, there was a famous Anglican archbishop called John A. Robinson. Mm-hmm. I think it was an Englishman, and he was very much uh, sort of in a way watering down or 
explaining away a lot of the things you know that are sort of problematic or difficult in in the faith and so on. And um, uh, the heading was John A. Robinson is very happy with his God. Hmm. Is God happy with John A. Robinson? <laughs> So I think that was a question we always have to ask ourselves is, you know, just because we're happy and think we know everything and taking care of everything, uh, we've got to ask ourselves, well, is God happy with what I'm doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a question many times we don't really want to ask ourselves, do we? Uh, do we? <laughs> like, am I really doing what the Lord wants me to be doing? Uh, yeah, seeking the will of God. Uh, is an enormously important thing. Though I think uh, in many cases uh, it's easier to determine than uh, than people, you know, you can drive yourself crazy about it too. And uh, I don't think God wants us to be in a situation where we are uh, so scrupulous and so mixed up in a way that we are, we're doubting. I mean, you know, in... For instance, in your own case there, you know, maybe God is calling you to leave everything and go to China or something to preach the gospel. But most likely, he has given you your wife and family, and he's giving you this special power to evangelize, really, uh, right here in Sacramento and Mm -hmm. wherever the bishop's hour is heard, uh, on YouTube or God knows where, and... Other ways in which you, I know, uh, uh, give up your services to uh, MC the various dinners, like uh, uh, for charities and other things, you know. So uh, it's likely that um, God is uh, calling you to that will. I mean, uh, the will of God for me, it seems, is to be available to the bishop in whatever capacity I can be to in obedience and respect to uh, serve, and if he has a great need to, for me to do something in you know, wherever, uh, if I can. Uh, now, if I can't, I mean, if he asks me to go to uh, far away, but I can't do it this week because I have commitments here, then, of course. So the will of God, uh, I think if we open ourselves to it, is generally in the circumstances of our lives, and there's a great saying in church that um, grace builds on nature. Hmm. Grace builds on nature. And um, uh, that would probably suggest that, you know, the gifts that you have, God wants, is building on those to have you use those. I mean, he's not uh, uh, going to ask you to, you know, lead an opera. Or right, to right. Uh, sing, you know, with uh, uh, be the soloist at the cathedral next Sunday, because maybe that's not your ability to sing. But on the other hand, there are other people, like the wonderful people we have there, uh, that can sing. And so God is calling them to do the will of God for them is to is to do that um, in the, with the talents they have, and you with the talents you have for speaking and inviting people and. Uh, you know, sharing the good news in that way. So I think if our people uh, did take some consolation in that uh, in your 
marriage and your uh, work. I mean, again, if you're, I miss one of the great, um, I think one of the challenges we have and one of the mistakes we've made a little bit uh, in that, uh, I was just reading the other day a wonderful uh, talk that Bishop Wiegand gave way back 20 years ago now on um, uh, lay people uh, living the gospel and putting it into practice in their daily life, mm. and that you know, there's all sorts of good spiritual things that people do, but let's say that you were a bank manager, or let's say you're a teacher, or let's say you're a policeman, or let's say you're a judge. Uh, you know, I think of, for instance, Judge Mai, uh, right. for example. Well, if you're, say, we'll pick on a judge. If you're a judge, then that you go every day and you use the law, but you also bring as much compassion as you can, and you take the whole picture into account, and you have to apply the law, of course, because the way it is, but you also uh, can bring a lot of compassion to your courtroom. And same as a teacher, you may not be able to speak about Jesus per se in uh, all the school classroom, but on the other hand, if you go there with great kindness and listen to your students and talk to them and uh, help them with their issues and so on, uh, then that's probably the will of God for you. Uh, I was, uh, I don't know, you you probably have heard, or if you happen, you will soon hear, that uh, the great former abbot of New Clairvaux, mm-hmm. Father Thomas Davis, is celebrating 90 years, as uh, 90 years, his birthday, uh, celebrating his 90th birthday coming up. Wow. And they're going to have a huge gathering for him and celebrate that with the Abbey of New Clairvaux up in Vina. And um, I was visiting with him uh, not too long ago, and we were serious in one way and joking in another way. It was a wonderful conversation for an hour or more uh, there at his uh, chapel. And uh, he was telling how uh, he was a young uh Cistercian at the monastery in Kentucky. Right. And uh, I think he's actually a native of the Northeastern, but somehow he was in Kentucky and at that hobby. And so he's there with, of all people, Thomas Merton. Oh, wow. At that time. And so he's young, and uh, he probably was mid-20s at most. And so uh, the abbot said... Uh, Thomas, I'm sending you, and I think it was four or five others, to uh, California to start a new uh, monastery in a place called Vina in Northern California. Wow. And he said, I said no to the abbot. (laughs) Now, it's one thing to say no to the bishop, but to say no to the abbot is just not done. Right. You don't say no to the abbot. Well, he said no to the abbot, and so things rested a little bit. He did said he said he did talk to Merton about it, and Merton said that's no good for anybody saying no to the abbot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for you, Thomas, not good for me. But anyway, he goes. Uh, so of course the abbot was wise, and so he let things sit a little while. And about a month or six weeks later, he comes in to Thomas and another young monk, and he said, uh, fellas, here's 
to California. <laughs> wow. To join the others who already have gone by train. So you don't say no to the advice. So anyway, uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and so they fly, the two of them. And uh, this sort of maybe will help people to understand how God works because he's picked up at the airport and the fellow picking them up decides he has a little bit of time to show them around. And as he does so, he um, uh, points out to them as they're driving along someplace in San Francisco. He said, you see all those rocks over there, those stones? He said, probably to mean a lot to you. He said, but look at those. He said, those are actually stones that were brought over here from right. a 12th century Cistercian monastery. Wow. And they immediately, Thomas Davis, uh, just gets a slap upside the head, and he realizes, oh, I will get those stones to Vina, yep. and they will be part of, they will form the new chapel. They were like in Golden Gate Park or something, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And so it took forever, but he kept going and going and going, working through, you know, city and counties and all these other things you have to do. And, of course, if y'all ever get a chance to go up to Vina, you can see a lot of those stones. And there's actually one or two. I saw them myself just the other day uh, where some guy, some person, back in the 12th century, put a big, like, cut into one of the stones. And that cut is still there. Wow. And what that guy did has lasted. That cut is evident in that stone. Uh, all those centuries. So if he had not uh, said no to the abbot, he would have come with the rest of the crowd, and they would never have come through San Francisco. They wouldn't have seen? That's exactly right. Yeah, and he wouldn't have been inspired, and then he took it, and so it's not a suggestion when you should say no to God or the bishop or to the abbot or to anybody else, but sometimes even, as we saw with Peter and others and Ignatius, uh, the mistake you make and the the thing you didn't do, God actually will work with you and maybe call you to something even greater. Indeed. And undo the stupid thing you did. And maybe <laughs> turn that into a, a blessing. Father, we are against the clock here. We're going to have to get you back on real, real soon if, if your schedule will permit. Well, if it's the will of God... Yes. We will do that. You can and say... Anytime, you, you, Bob, it's always a joy to be with you oh. and your listeners, and God bless you all. Oh, it's always a joy to be with you, too, Father. God bless you, too, and uh, we'll look forward to our paths uh, crossing again soon. Anytime. Thanks, Father. That's uh, Father Michael Kiernan, uh, just a, a gem. Uh.
Yeah.